I love this beat so much here on Alex Garrett Podcasting. And I have a little extra time, so I'm going to use it. Uh, Garrett Extras. Basically, I'm going to replay the monologue before Danny's interview, which was phenomenal. Thank you, Danny Voice, again for joining me. But I've got to get a couple things off my chest. First, I had promised you, the listener, and uh, in all fairness to Megan McNeely from her book, the name of the professor who said, The Sense of Participation in Determining the Content of Life. That was by Mahali Zixzintamali, page 150 of Reinvent the Wheel. And a quick word on Mahali and his book, Flow. He is a Hungarian-American psychologist, recognized and named the psychological uh, impact of flow. He is a distinguished professor of psychology and management at Claremont Graduate University, former head of the Department of Psychology at the University of Chicago, and he's also at Lake Forest College. So once again, I'm going to tell you this quote once again. Mahali Sizik Sintamali a Hungarian-American who said the sense of participation in determining the content of life. And I am all for that. One other note before I get to what I really want to talk about, which is the um, We Are Not Dead campaign for New York City, which I really hope to start. We are not dead in the city. We are still vibrant. There was movement this morning removing the autonomous zone outside City Hall. Uh, but we're we're not done there yet, and so I'm compelled to talk about that. Also, for somehow, I don't know how, but Chartable, this you know you can chart your podcast, ranks me on their podcast as 134 in the history genre. I'm not done much history on here that I'd like to, like official history of the American Revolution and elsewhere. But knowing that, I feel compelled to see if we can get in the top 100 in the history genre, thanks to Chartable's numbers. And where can we learn from history? Nothing has hit it harder for me in my adventures reading about this than what Wheaton School of Economics, Wharton School of Economics of the University of Pennsylvania professor Edward S. Herman has cited in a book called Orwell's Beautiful Fit to America which was published, interestingly enough, on November 3rd, 2016. I'm sure Professor Wheat, uh, Herman has a reason why he waited to publish it that day, which happened to be, oh, I don't know, election day? Anyway, he cites a man named Walter Lippmann, who wrote a classic called Public Opinion. And what Lippmann argues is that the common interest, sometimes called the national interest, very largely eludes public opinion entirely and can be managed only by a specialized class who whose personal interests reach beyond the locality. Responsible men who must manufacture consent among the thoughtless masses. Sound too deep for you? I guess it is. Are we thoughtless? No. Are those fighting masks thoughtless in one sense of the health way? Yes. But you can also see that they're also dealing with the fact that they feel the government is telling them what to do and has been telling them what to do. And you can apply this to war. This one line of what Walter Lippmann was saying, you can apply it to war. But I do believe you can apply it to this whole thing. 
I do believe you can apply the eluding of the public opinion entirely to the shutdown of America. We did not have a say. We did not get to vote state by state. Hey, do we really want this? Do we really have the numbers that back it up? We guys said, all right, this is what has to happen to stay safe. And flattening the curve is still a must. I'm not discounting the fact that in Florida right now, they had 9,400 new cases and another amount, high amount of deaths. That's terrible. This virus is real. But have you seen their total, according to the Florida Department of Health? Nearly 370,000 confirmed cases. 5,200 deaths. Not nearly what we've faced in New York City. So to point those stats as a reason to lock down entirely, that state anyway doesn't make sense. We don't want it climbing, yes, that is true. But I think DeSantis is trying to say, well, here are some numbers that you might want to know and maybe report on. And so we have the ability to not consent to everything. We do, (laughs) believe it or not. We don't have to wear a mask if we're outside. A business is not being asked to mandate the mask. They are doing it out of the courteous of those who are high risk. But overall, we're not being really asked to do anything with the masks. It's required, yes, but uh, and it's a state requirement, but it's not a mandate. Federally. So certain areas can still have that right to not wear the mask or choose not to let their business require masks. And that's a beautiful thing. If businesses choose to do it, fine, they can. But not imposing a federal mandate is huge in this regard. But what was a mandate in one way or another was this whole quarantining process. And Mr. Lippman, by the way, would go on to write Woodrow's 14 points, Woodrow Wilson's 14 points, which is a big historical document. If you want a refresher, I will tell you, because quite frankly, I don't remember. What it was was a statement of principles of peace to end World War I. Of course, the arms were put down, and the war was won. Then we come back to the Triple Entente on April 6, 1917. And then Wilson makes a what many considered uh, progressive ideals, translating into foreign policy, Free trade, open agreements, democracy, and self-determination. Wow. That was a thing back then. And the 14 points were based on research of the inquiry. A team of about 150 advisors led by a foreign policy advisor, Edward M. House. But
here was the 14 points just for more clarity open covenants of peace freedom of navigation among the seas equality of trade conditions something we're fighting for today and I've gotten with the USMCA the national armaments will be reduced like uh, stockpiling proliferation and usage of small arms <laughs> to the lowest point consistent with domestic safety. So with this 14 points, definitely want a gun control. A free, open-minded, and absolutely impartial adjustment of all colonial claims. Evacuation of all Russian territory and a settlement of all questions affecting Russia that will secure the best and freest cooperation of the other nations of the world in order in obtaining for her an unhampered, hampered and unembarrassed opportunity for her own de- political development. So even in the 1918s, through these 14 points, they wanted Russia to be a free society, which it never got to be, I don't believe. They wanted Belgium evacuated. They wanted Air French territory freed up for France clearly recognizable lines of nationality in Italy uh, you can read the whole thing I'm not going to go but this man that I'm referencing tonight Wal- or this morning Walter Lippmann saying it very clearly the national interest is largely eluding public opinion entirely it's no wonder then that he was tapped to help the 14 points drafting, right? Because Wilson knew. It seems like he knew to tap the on the ground people seeing what Americans wanted. And these 14 points, based on 150 advisors, I would hope did do that, gain American reaction. To how to end that World War One in a best, safe, and victorious way. So if we can heed the word of Walter Lippmann, that would be great. Maybe it's time we are wary of the word national interest. Maybe it's time. Especially because this time around, they said it was in the interest of America to shut down, pretty much. And they shut us down. Without our consent... This conversation isn't done. There's actually a website, nationalinterest.org, which I recommend you check out. And, of course, Orwell, his work lives on. Mr. Lippman's work lives on. And I would highly recommend studying up, as I'm going to do, in the days to come. Because how do we make sure the public opinion... The we, the people, is so, so much more incorporated in these big decisions. Maybe National Interest has an idea. Maybe you have an idea. Alex.garrett21 at yahoo.com. Alex.garrett21 at yahoo.com. Now, before I get to Danny, one last thing. I've been thinking a lot 
about how people say the city's not going to come back, the city's dead. Last time we were told we were dead was by a, supposedly a president of the United States, if you looked at the headline in the newspapers. Ford to city, drop dead. That headline has a history on all of itself. I don't have time to get into it. You can research that. But my headline, Garrett to NYC, we're not dead. You know why we're not dead? Because there have been business owners that have survived and reopened their restaurants, their business. You know why we're not dead? Because we can still see, many of us can see the light of day, thank God, as we hope to end this pandemic in the weeks to come. So if you're able to wake up, if you're able to own your business, if you are able to just survive this pandemic, know that you are not dead. Know that you are in a city that is not dead. And the best way to address it is to correct it now before it becomes a lesser city. We're on the brink, sure. But we're not dead. Tell that to Cuomo and, and de Blasio. Maybe it'll wake them up. Tell them we have the ability to resurrect this. That we're not dead. That this isn't a dead cause. New York City is not a dead cause, people. And so if you like what you heard, feel free to follow me on this channel or follow me on Twitter at AlexGNNYC, AlexGNNYC. And we'll talk to you again. You know, I might do a surprise uh, revisit of an interview I did quite a few years ago, but with MLB starting up, it definitely is in the baseball spirit. Uh, you got to stay tuned, though. Alex Garrett podcasting right with you every step of the way.